KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Radioactive is KRCL's show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Coming up on the show tonight, Revival, the summer solstice celebration with the Divine Assembly. It's that church that former Utah lawmaker Steve Urquhart started with magic mushrooms as the sacrament. So tune in for the latest on psychedelics with TDA's Steve and his wife Sarah Urquhart, and Christine Stenquist will join as well. And we may have time to share a bit of living the circle of life from yesterday. Valine MC attended the Two-Spirit powwow at Salt Lake Community College over the weekend. Did a couple of great interviews, and I want to bring some of that to you this hour. Let's get started with rallies and resources, and today is World Refugee Day. It's also Juneteenth Observed, and we have one woman here who can talk about all of it. Please welcome to Radioactive along with me, our special guest today. We have Deanne Bahati. She is a University of Utah student, Greater Salt Lake Chapter of the Red Cross board member who fled with her family from the Democratic Republic of Congo in 2002. So she's here to talk about that, but also I just found out before we cracked the mics that she's one of the organizers of the Juneteenth celebration going on as we speak at the Gateway. So let's get it all in. Hey, Deanne, how are you? I'm doing good. You're busy. I'm a busy person today. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on over at the Gateway for Juneteenth Observed? Yeah, so Gateway, we are celebrating Juneteenth. And as you may know, the proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed January 1st, 1863, and um, some states were still carrying on, you know, slavery at the time, so um, it wasn't, slavery didn't actually end until 1865 in Texas um, on June 19th, so we celebrate Juneteenth to kind of celebrate freedom and celebrate black joy and to support black-owned businesses. So if you go down to Gateway, you will see there's a lot of black-owned businesses that you can support, along with local artists that are performing and, you know, just having fun, eating food. Um, All the food is from the local um, businesses as well, and it's family-friendly, so you can bring your kids and enjoy some drinks and fun, and at the end of the night, there's an after-party. There's an after-party. It keeps going. This is down the gateway. Downtown Salt Lake City folks, Rio Grande Street, and First South, shall we say, right? (laughs) So not far from the the studios here of KRCL. I'm going to definitely go over there and check it out after we get done. And I'm kind of curious because these two things that you represent, (laughs) all right, so Juneteenth, But you also came to the States, and Utah specifically, as a kid and uh, as a refugee. And then you learn about Juneteenth and American history and slavery. Was that mm-hmm. a surprise for you when you learned, okay, what is going on exactly with American history versus my native country, which you left as a small child? Yeah. So... Honestly, for me, I, I've always been heavily involved within the community and what's going on within our policies and within our society. Um, and when I moved to the United States, I kind of fell in love with trying to make a change within this world because my country suffers a lot from um, war and from natural disasters. And coming to the United States, I've seen how my parents, you know, really want us to work hard and um, succeed in life. And I don't want to... I want to come here and get education, and um, I kind of started just by volunteering with the Red Cross, trying to get involved in the community, and I fell in love with just learning about American history because there's just so much that has gone into it and so much, um, 
I feel like the American history is really affecting us a lot now today. Yeah. And I think it's important to really, you mm-hmm. know, bring it out and talk about it. Our failure to grapple with our history, I think, yeah. is one of the huge problems. Like we want to think we've come so far and we don't have to talk about the um, the bleak periods of our history. But no, mm-hmm. we have to. Every generation has to understand it yeah. so that we don't repeat the mistakes of our, our past. So what are you studying at the University of Utah? Yeah, so I am doing a minor in business, and then I am doing a major in political science, and then I plan to go to law school. Um, and I have big goals, but <laughs> yeah. Um, after that, I just I plan to get involved with the politics back in my home country, yeah. so that nobody has to be a refugee. You were a kid. Do you remember any of yes. this? Because there's n- nine in your family, mm-hmm. and there was not only um, civil unrest, civil war, mm-hmm. and violence, but volcano eruptions yeah that's a a lot were you aware of it so i was i was a baby and um most of the time these are the stories that my parents have told us yeah and um when we were in congo there was a war that was started in 1997 and that war carried on it ended in 2002 But even after the war ends, there's still the aftermath and, Mm. you know, things happening. And then in 2000, it ended in 2003, the year that I was born. But in 2002, the volcano erupted. So not only are we dealing with the Civil War, but we're dealing with natural disasters. And um, when I was born, my parents were (laughs) rushing. We're like running away from war. And then we were also running away from a volcanic eruption. Uh And so the time that I was born was kind of crazy. And then we had to flee to Uganda to seek asylum. Um, to the nearest camp was Kampala, and then we came here afterwards. In a press release that the Red Cross sent over to me about your experience, they quote you talking about one of your earliest memories in the Red Cross camp, and it was receiving first aid kits. Yeah, so in in the camps, we received a lot of aid from the United Nations and other humanitarian organizations such as the Red Cross. And they helped us so much by giving us hygiene kits, by giving us clothes, and just things that we can use for ourselves while we're there in the, um, in the means of struggle. A lot of people forget that just because you're in a refugee camp doesn't mean everything, you're all safe. Sometimes refugee camps don't even have food or water. Mm-hmm. And so we still need aid in those refugee camps as well. And the Red Cross, my mom would tell me that there would be packages with the American Red Cross label on it. And I just think that's amazing because now I'm a volunteer and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it came back around. So you, yeah, that circle is is squared, so to speak. So <laughs> what is it you want people to know about coming to this country as a refugee? And I'm sure it was different for different members yeah. of your family, from your parents adapting to a new culture to you. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you adapted to English pretty quickly. I don't know, yeah. did you speak English <laughs> before you came here? Yeah, so I, I remember having to learn English. I didn't always um, mm-hmm. know English, but as a refugee coming to America, it's very different. Um, a lot of people are trying to help you, but a lot of people kind of, for me, coming to America, I realized that we were suffering from a lot of genocide that happened in our home country, but then we come to the United States and then we have to deal with other issues such as like racism and other things as well and sexism. And even though it is a factor, we are in a better position, but it's also a mental struggle trying to adjust with language barriers and yeah. cultural barriers as well. Well, and so much, w- you, you come here through a refugee resettlement program with the International Rescue Committee or Catholic Community Services, and you only have so many months of assistance and trying to connect with a community after you've just left another part of the world. It's a huge mm-hmm. struggle and folks, 
in your new community need to step up and help in one way is to get involved with the Red Cross. Exactly. And I think the Red Cross is such an amazing organization. After seeing all the help that's going into Poland for the Ukrainian refugees that are coming in, um, the Red Cross is trying really hard. And I remember Janelle was telling me a story. She's one of the photographers for the Red Cross. And she was telling me how who would have thought that we needed SIM cards because people got to the border of Poland and they were like, I want to call back home and I want to call my people. And they have to think about things like that. And it's not just what's happening in Ukraine. It's what's happening all over the world. And the Red Cross is heavily involved, yeah. working really hard. I was looking at the stats from the UN High Commissioner on Refugees, and 100 million is the figure, 26 million or so, um, uh, f- let's see, uh, from conflicts or natural disasters, and then the remainder from internal displacement, like we're seeing in yeah. Ukraine, like you said. What is it that you want people to understand? about the situation, because we think, you know, watching the evening news, that things are breaking up here in the States. I think that's a Mm -hmm. very dark and pessimistic take on what's happening, whereas your family has experienced exactly that in another country. So I I feel like it's kind of hard watching things happen all over again. Um, Just last week, there was another conflict in Congo. which is the civil war that was caused in 1997 and it's ongoing conflict that happens all the time which is why we keep we continue to get refugees from the congo and it it breaks my heart it really does and which is why i'm working so hard as a student and as a young woman to really try to go back to my home country and try to change the way things work over there and a lot of people have given up or saying that it's going to be hard and i I know it's going to be hard but that's why I'm <laughs> going to school for it, and that's why that's my plan All right. to do it. Tell me about your peers up at the University of Utah. Yeah. Here, the grown-ups out in the world are, you know, <laughs> I think off their rockers sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what's going on, on on campus or among your peer group when it comes mm-hmm. to the state of affairs in this country? Is there some hope? I believe there is so much hope. I, I think when it comes to... Sometimes I, I lose hope <laughs> and because of the things that are going on, but then I see people like me, and then I see my friends, and then I see people who are striving to do a lot of good yeah. things in the world, and it gives me a lot of hope, and that's what m- pushes me to keep going, yeah. knowing that I am not the only one trying. There's yeah. other people doing the same thing as well. Doing the doom scrolling of everything that's awful it <laughs> yeah. can paralyze you. So I commend you for rolling up your sleeves and getting involved mm-hmm. in the Red Cross, helping to organize Juneteenth at the yes. Gateway. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, please come back. We're always <laughs> looking for fresh voices like yours on this show. So we got to exchange some numbers here. Okay, yeah, we do. And <laughs> have you bring in some of your peers and mm-hmm. do a show. What do you say? Yes, I would okay. love that. <laughs> in the meantime, um, folks should get involved in the Red Cross. It was easy, right? Yeah. So the way that I started was in high school. I just joined meetings. I went to a camp. I learned about leadership and all. Um, and then after that, I became a president of those meetings. And then they recruited me to become a board of directors, which is what I am now. And I'm glad that I can you know, continue to volunteer with the Red Cross and become a representative of people who look like me as well. And uh, the Red Cross is committed every day to helping people as part of their international family tracing program. They transmit messages from all over the world to help families reconnect with loved ones. I take it you still have family back in the Congo. Yeah, I I do have some of my aunts um, and my cousins. Some of them moved to Canada, and but my main family is all here. We're all here and safe. 
luckily. <laughs> well, Deanna, big things coming your way because of how involved you are. So thanks for sharing some of your story with us today on World Refugee Day. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> and then the party's going on at Gateway. Oh, yes. All night, all night. for Juneteenth. Look for the check tonight's show photo, <laughs> folks. You can see the brilliant suit she's got on <laughs> and look for her down at Gateway. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. And now over the weekend, there was a two-spirit powwow at Salt Lake Community College. Valine MC involved in that, attended and brought back a couple of interviews that uh, she shared on Living the Circle of Life yesterday, and we share that with you now. Uh, hello, my name is Christina Groves. I'm an enrolled member of the Ute Tribe, and I'm also part Hopi. Um, and I work at the Urban Indian Center of Salt Lake. So I've been a counselor, um, a therapist at the center since 2009, um, and really love working at the center, love working with Native people. You know, I'm, my background is in behavioral health, you know, and so my job is really in the way that I kind of view the work that I do is that I'm here to help support people. Um, I'm here to help people. Storytelling in my family and in our culture is really important. And for me, that I feel like that's part of um, my job and you know, our behavioral health department job is to help people tell their own story. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially for our LGBTQ or two-spirit people, they don't always feel like they can tell who they are. Um, it, it may not be safe to talk about, you know, how they identify or who they are attracted to or the way that they want to live their lives. And so, you know, as a therapist, my job is to kind of help support people as they're trying to figure out who am I and how do I want to tell my story. And this, this um, event is, I think, a natural part of that as well. Right? So how do we how do we weave our culture and our traditions along with our identity and who we want to, who we want people to know who we are? So it definitely seems that the purpose of this powwow is providing resources, but bridging and connecting the community. Have you seen that, um, or do you have any stories that you could share about what you've seen and how this has come to support people that are in the queer community or two spirit community? I think you know one of the things that I've seen and I think is really important too is that. Um, I think sometimes when you grow up, you know, like as a Native kid, there's all these expectations of what that means to be Native, you know, and it may not really fit with how you, how you identify as Native, how individuals do, but there's also kind of a history that comes along, you know, there are a lot of heroes for us to look up to that we don't always hear about, and that's the same in, I think, in the Two-Spirit community, and that's one of the things that we um, thought was really important, that we wanted to be able to educate about the history of two-spirit people, um, both, you know, in the past. And so we have, a, we have a poster that we created last year for the Pride, uh, the Utah Pride Story Garden that kind of shows who are some of these two-spirit people historically. Like, it's not that they didn't exist. They did, right? Um, but then also, um, at the very first two-spirit powwow, um, our spiritual leader this year, Clyde Hall, he got up and talked about, um, you know, he, he is someone that was uh, integral in the movement of reclaiming two-spirit identity. And so he got up and talked a little bit, but he's also grew up in his culture. He grew up in powwow. So for him to talk about, you know, where where the history is for indigenous uh, two-spirit people and also to, to say, I want to be involved in what's going on now. I want to be here to help show people that we are here and who we are and talk about what it means to be a two-spirit person. So that's been really exciting for me to have him involved in our powwow every year so he's been involved every year he's our spiritual leader this year um and i think that is a great thing for um you know someone who maybe 
just you know trying to figure out who their identity is to see somebody that is spiritual and traditional but also identifies as two-spirit. Here we are with Cody of the Urban Indian Center and the Two-Spirit Specialist who helped coordinate this powwow. So Cody, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Mike, hello. My name is Cody Makukatave. I'm an enrolled member of the Northern Ute Tribe from Fort Duchesne from the UNNURA Reservation. I have been contracted to help the Urban Indian Center of Salt Lake um, in continuing having their annual Two-Spirit powwow. Um, I'm brought in to kind of give some advice and help out with traditional aspects of Two-Spirit relatives as well as giving advice on how we can further honor our LGBTQIA plus um, relatives. Why is this event, specifically a two-spirited powwow, so important to the community and members who identify with the LGBTQ plus community and two-spirit community? I think it's just really important for us as Indigenous folks to welcome back our two-spirit and native LGBTQIA plus relatives to the circle. Um, I think it's really important for us to continue building safe spaces um, where all of our community members feel welcome, all nations, all genders, and all peoples. So any listeners out there who may be themselves or family members or a friend or a loved one who might be having these experiences with depression, isolation, suicidal ideations, um, kind of what that looks like and how there's actually, there is a community there to help. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we look at a powwow in particular right now for this specific conversation, it's this is a community gathering. And I think, you know, by showing the representation and creating these safe spaces, it's giving hope to those who may not be able to find their voice right now, but they can still see, like, okay, I can possibly have a happy life and I can possibly do these things. But they also are able to connect with other community members who are here who may be living that same experience or who have lived through that experience. And that, I think, is super helpful because the, the bridge that you can have by finding community from people who've lived through experiences that you may be going through right now is what can continue that growth in a positive way. People who are two-spirited or exploring their identities or LGBTQ+, it sounds like isolation seems like or feeling alone or not having connection or seeing themselves in their community or in another person and it feels like you're speaking to the importance of that is why representation is so important and it feels like why these events are so important and in doing this so there are other events that you have planned Yeah, and just to touch on kind of what you were saying, I can't speak for all Two-Spirit or all Native LGBTQIA plus community members. I can speak from my own experience. And for me, I, you know, I grew up disencultured for a large part of my life, and I didn't understand what this feeling that I was having meant until I started to seek out information and started to see that makes sense to me. This is that duality that I've been feeling forever. And then there was the term two-spirit that came, you know, and I know that that was founded in, you know, the 90s, um, but I never had heard it. And then when I found it, I was like, this is why representation matters. This is why it's so amazing to see community members out there being bold and being who they are and and leading this this way for other people to follow follow in um, by just finding those breadcrumbs like we were talking about before. Um, but going back to your original question, yes, we hope to continue doing this annually um, through the Urban Indian Center, and we've done a really amazing job with partnering with uh, the Salt Lake Community College as well. So we hope to just continue to build this, and I think the momentum is just amazing. You know, the first year. 
Um, there was a wonderful turnout. And then the second year we had COVID, so it was virtual, but we had an awesome time doing that as well. And then this time I was so pleasantly surprised with the amount of folks who came out, the vendors and just the the atmosphere and the anticipation of like this event leading up to it was just incredible. And then to see it all happen, it's just like, whoa, you know? It's like it's like watching watching that baby be born. Yeah. <laughs> I think anybody who helps plan a powwow <laughs> yeah, yeah. for your community, it's like, oh, okay, we yeah. did it, we did it. That's amazing. So, are there any other events that we can be looking out for, or is there anything that you can share with those who um, may want to find resources through the Urban Indian Center that you want to share? Yeah, I would say to reach out to the Behavioral Health Red Mesa Department at the Urban Indian Center. They have a lot of resources for Two-Spirit and Native LGBTQIA+, and it's a growing program. I know that they're looking to expand their programming for this particular community. Um, they do have um, a name. It's called True Spirit, and I think that that's just going to continue to grow. Um, right now, the powwow was kind of like our annual event, so we might give it a little time before we plan another big event like this but we understand always, that yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you um, but there are resources just reach out to the red mesa behavioral health department and they can help point in the right direction thank you so much for joining us here on carousel living the circle of life yeah thank you more great work from valine mc co-host now of living the circle of life sundays from 7 to 10 a.m on krcl she brings that conversation to us from the two-spirit power that happened at Salt Lake Community College over the weekend. When we come back, we're going to get into Revival. It is a summer solstice celebration with a divine assembly, and it's a, it's a camp out. It's coming up. Today is World Psychedelics Day. We're going to talk about all of that. One of the bands that will play the Revival is Mountain Tribe, and this is Super Luminal right here on KRCL 90.9. come from I'll be dancing on the whiskers of the morning sun and in the dark of night where those mothers made me I'll be shaking up the branches of my family tree place for us to run and hide 
Have you ever been saved by the unseen hand? Have you ever wondered what's under the sand? Buried deep down over in the promised land. Buried deep down over in the promised land. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Put me in the fire, but I'll never grow old. Cause I found my treasure in the promised land. Yes, I found my treasure in the promised land. Oh, that infrared light, and that ultraviolet light, and the iridescent light that's shining down on me, and the trapped fire light, in the dark of night, and the moonlight shining down on me. Shining down off me. Show me the way, and my compass points straight to the lion's bay. Yes, I found my treasure in the promised land. Yes, I found my treasure in the promised land. And the seven sisters sent me on this quest to lay the father man down to his rest. Yes, I found my treasure in the promised land. Cause I found my treasure in the promised land. Shining down on me. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow. Spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. One in four Utahns has a criminal record. If you or someone you know needs help with the expungement process, visit cleanslateutah.org, a new nonprofit working to ensure that Utahns don't miss out on opportunities because of their past. 
KRCL's annual record and CD sale will be making its triumphant return in 2022. We're planning something special, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, we'll be taking donations of your gently used, tremendously loved, but slightly neglected records and CDs. If you can let go, we can make sure those treasures get their way to the next music lover in line. Donations are tax deductible and will help power your community radio station, 90.9 FM, KRCL. If you'd like to donate, reach out to me, Eric P. Nelson, at recordsale at krcl.org for details. See you soon. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones, and at 7 o'clock, it is Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, followed by Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelman at 8, Night Train with Michelle at 10.30, and then John Florence is back at 6 a.m. for a brand new day. You can catch our entire programming lineup online at krcl.org. Hit that programming tab, and there's an on-demand tab for the last two weeks of any show. Did you know that today is World Psychedelics Day? Well, it is. And so we have the perfect conversation for you for the rest of the hour. And joining me in studio, we have Steve and Sarah Urquhart from the Divine Assembly, for which psilocybin is your sacrament. Steve, Sarah, thanks for being here. Thank you. And thank you for all you do for public radio and for media in Utah. So good to be with you. Thank you. Delightful to finally meet you, Sarah. Yeah, so fun to be here. Thank you. And I can't wait to help uh, spread the word of your particular experience because you are neurodiverse. And what does that mean for somebody who does psilocybin? And then Christine Stenquist, our old friend from Truce, is here, part of the big push to legalize medical cannabis in the state and now part of the Divine Assembly supporter Mm -hmm. and also a push for psychedelics to be studied and legalized here as well, correct? Absolutely. All right. We're going to get into all of this, folks, so stick around. But let's get a recap, uh, Steve and Sarah, about the church, your co-founders. Steve, you've been on the show talking about this many times. This is the two-year anniversary of the Divine Assembly. An official church, (laughs) two years, no more scrutiny from the IRS or or law enforcement? Well, let's just start right there. I mean, that, yeah, no, no scrutiny. We're we're doing fine and we're uh, working very hard to dot our I's and cross our T's. Um, The good thing is we're very sincere about this. We do believe this is a religion. We do believe that we can worship with the divine, with psilocybin, and that being the case, Mm -hmm. the First Amendment being what it is, the Religious Religious Freedom Restoration Act being what it is, we do have a right to worship. Um, But yeah, we've we've gone through a lot this year, Uh, you know, (laughs) have have just learned a lot. We look back at some of the early days and we're like, yikes, what on earth were we thinking starting this? But (laughs) Uh, yeah, we, yeah. We, we couldn't be more pleased. But so, yeah, to your question, you don't, in the United States, you don't get an authorization from government saying, yes, it's fine what you're doing. You do it. And then if IRS, if DEA, if uh, law enforcement has an issue down the road, then they'll come knocking. They'll come knocking. Sarah, I've heard Steve's story before, so yeah. we'll just forget about him for a second. But I always <laughs> wondered about... Uh, Steve's wife and this journey away from, frankly, the LDS church right. into forming a church with what is by and large considered a controlled substance that, you know, folks who get it on the down low use. <laughs> so why did you decide this was your path as well? Well, as we started, um, Steve came with the idea. Fully was his. Um, he has the expertise in this, the expertise with the uh, uh, being on at, on Capitol Hill, and he and I kept saying, 
oh, let's find a way to do it without it being a religion. How do we do Let's explore all the things. What can we do so it's not a religion? And he finally said, we only get religious protections if we're a religion. Yeah. And here are the things that are happening. And of course, I'd been having the same same experiences that he had been having. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know how spiritual these things are. I know how... Every, you know, so many people talk to the divine and have those experiences. It's hard to say this is not a religion, that this is not a spiritual experience yeah. when so many people are having that. Now, before we crack the mics, you said your unique twist on this is that you, over the course of COVID, have come to accept that you are neurodiverse. Yeah. What does that mean for you? So it's it's become clear to me, and thank you, TikTok, it's reinforced. <laughs> You know, you may be neuro, neuro, neurodiverse if, and I'm like, tick, 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 tick. And, you know, something's bringing me to tears, just bringing a lot of clarity. But through the years, as we've gotten into psychedelics, Steve has really enjoyed worshiping in groups and yeah. group ceremonies. And I've just not been interested in that. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And recently, it's probably been within the last three or four months, I finally did a group session and it became very clear. It's everything is already overwhelming when you're on mushrooms. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. intensified. And for someone who's neurodiverse, those smells are too strong. The lights and the sounds, they become a distraction from the plant medicine. And where someone who's part of the general public it amplifies the experience but for me it actually takes me out of the experience it's overwhelming but i'm also curious about you come from an, um, an lds worship tradition yes which is very staid my favorite part uh, having been raised in that myself was the music and whenever it was too slow i'd get so mad <laughs> mine, mine was fast and testimony testimony meeting open mic sunday oh you like the drama that was always interesting (laughs) all the drama comes out Uh, nothing worse than praise to the man as a dirge that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) but anyway so i'm just kind of curious if that was part of what was holding you back from a group experience as well as is your previous experience with organized religion um that's it's less that i think um because i see a lot of people moving into this space with you know on a similar path as me and they really are fed by those group sessions and group uh worship and it just what i want is to be in a home that's comfortable for me that's familiar to me you know i just try and remove a lot of the unknowns Mm -hmm. and steve seeks out the unknowns in his experience and i bet christine does too christine (laughs) i mean not actually i I actually do i have neurodivergency in my background my Uh son is autistic i do have a couple of kids that are on the spectrum andrea is as well so i really am listening to this story and i have you know something very similar that in our background so I'm finding I'm very much relating to what Sarah's experience has been I have a child that that um, has struggled with autism and connection but mainly um, understanding other people and being able like to emotionally bond with individuals he had an experience with mushrooms during COVID during uh, 2022 he took mushrooms went on a hike he didn't tell me that he took mushrooms okay (laughs) he came back from this hike 
And he's like, Mom, I had the most spiritual experience. Out in nature. Out in nature. And he's telling me this story and stuff. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. My daughter's in the room. She's like, hmm, what drugs are you on? <laughs> <laughs> People don't go to the woods and just have spiritual experiences. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was that. It was yeah, him yeah. tapping into that. And that's what you know, helped me onto my journey. I didn't yeah. interrupt. No, you're exactly right. And I think that's... For those of us who have a hard time connecting, mm. mushrooms can help open that up as well. Well, mm -hmm. that's what's interesting because you're talking about connecting, connecting with the divine, connecting mm -hmm. with, with each, other. each other. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Christine, you, you know the Urquharts from your work to mm -hmm. legalize medical cannabis. Yep. And Steve came to you at a certain point and said, I'm thinking about this divine assembly. Mm -hmm. And what was your reaction? Um, I had mixed emotions on it. One, I do not like religion at yeah. all I, mm -hmm. I just and so the thought of a church kind of gave me pause and then I was but my son had just had the experience and so coincidentally I know, yeah well it was COVID I had had an experience of a few months prior with ketamine I was suffering from depression and suicide ideation and was in a real crisis situation. And since it's psychedelic day, um, ketamine is the only FDA approved psychedelic that we have access to. For and microdosing is the term, I believe, right? And this was not microdosing, uh, what, my, what I experienced. I was in a full on suicidal spiral and um, had reached out to my physician. He said, I said I wanted to try ketamine to see if it would help with the depression. I have a brain tumor, as some of your um, listeners know, and have struggled with pain control and used cannabis. Well, with all the stuff that kind of blew up with Prop 2, it had spiraled me into um, an emotional depression that I could not shake on all top. All that hard work. Yeah. And then lawmakers tinkering it with a little bit, right? Yeah. And and it left, you know, there it left some political trauma. And Steve knows what political trauma is. He was <laughs> yes. a legislator. Yeah. So it left some, you know, layered with other personal things involved in my life. I went through a private divorce in the middle of the Prop 2 thing. Mm. You know, went through my own suffering of sorts and found my way to psychedelics. And I was... Well, I was shocked. So when he was telling me this, I was like, I want to do this, but it's got to be for me, for me promoting it with what he's doing. It's got to be in that medical model okay. that we kind of focus truce on with medical cannabis. And so I started seeking out and finding doctors and um, licensed medical or excuse me, licensed social workers who are looking at using this as a tool to help patients for trauma with through trauma and, and various things like that. And in fact, there now is a psychedelics task force for the state of Utah. There is. The psilocybin task force um, happened this past session, and so they're going to be looking at and examining psilocybin as a potential way to help treat PTSD and various other things. It's World Psychedelic Day, uh, Psychedelics Day, and we're talking with Christine Stenquist as well as Steve and Sarah Urquhart from the Divine Assembly, which is a church which believes psilocybin mushrooms are an active sacrament that helps Folks commune directly with the divine. Sincerely held religious beliefs are legally protected, as you can read on their website, thedivineassembly.org. So, Steve, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, it's been a, several years, but it kind of feels like a little bit of whiplash from your experience as an elected lawmaker coming to support medical cannabis, leaving the LDS church, starting your own religion, and now there's a task force for psychedelics. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, we can we can blame the damn gays. Uh, <laughs> there was that too. You came to believe that uh, 
We need more equality, LGBTQ equality. Oh, I wasn't supposed to cuss. That's right. You um, <laughs> no, it was. Wasn't a bad I one, think though. I think that is really what changed me is uh, working on LGBTQ issues. Um, it just, my gosh, it made me realize I am so wrong about this. I have been that, you know. I, I just it invited me to take a look at a lot of what I was doing and man I was just wrong about everything and so um, I left the legislature a much different person than I entered and uh, you know I, f I feel like my heart was two sizes bigger and uh, yeah so I just continued to look I continued to look and it's it's just kind of fun being a 16-year-old, 57-year-old. Uh, <laughs> Today's my birthday, by the way. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, and it's me. also uh, World Psychedelics Isn't Day. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I remember um, when you were working on LGBTQ issues in the legislature, and you were so outraged watching on the news about what you said at the time was, was the behavior of your church yeah. on those, those bills that you were working on. And just watching what was going to happen, because you are such a man of your own of your convictions, and you follow those to see what would come next for you after you left the um, the legislature. You went up to the University of Utah, where you still are, and you teach public health on on this issue. I do, yeah. Uh, not not on this issue. I teach health policy at the medical school in the division of public health. Um, but yeah, there always just seems to be a class that finds its way towards psychedelics. I, d I can't explain how that works, but um, <laughs> but it's amazing. For the first time in human history, we are able to talk about a cure for depression. Um, you look at the work that's going on at Yale, at Johns Hopkins, at Imperial mm -hmm. College. Uh, we have fast-track phase two FDA studies looking at psilocybin to treat depression. You know, it's it's going to be rescheduled. Psilocybin's going to uh, come off schedule one, which is the death row for substances because it is in many instances curative mm -hmm. of of depression and so you know the history of this is amazing 50s 60s we were using it medically and then war on drugs boom it, it just went into that black hole of schedule one and now bit by bit we're, we're having these tools returned to us and in one cool thing so I'm working with very advanced students. These are medical students, PhD students, so we can have very candid conversations. Religion, other than theology classes, it higher ed is allergic to, to yeah. God talking, you know, as it mm -hmm. largely should be. But what do we do now when people are being cured from depression and 70% of them immediately want to talk about the divine God? Mm -hmm. You know, however we... Mm -hmm characterize however we name that that something that is beyond and because mm -hmm. that's what people are do doing they're being cured and and they're talking about this other something that is out there that is beyond what we know well sarah i'm curious in the female experience of this because as christine said i am pretty anti-organized mm -hmm. western religion because of what it relegates women to and mm -hmm. short of experiencing that firsthand i think it's hard for male of the species perhaps to fully understand so what is different in the divine assembly for women um and this experience versus a sacrament in the religion of your your youth sure the it's pretty amazing this psychedelic space women are rushing to it they are feeling very empowered they are feeling very strong and they're leading out in a lot of ways. So it's a really fun 
environment to be in because women are really coming into their own. And that's so different from where we came from, right? Um, we had a friend here recently, and she was doing some interviews. I think we're going to get into that in a minute. Yeah. But she talked with about 15 men and 15 women, about 30 people. And she said every single man she spoke with who have tried psilocybin, every single one had some experience with the divine, with God, and 100% of those was with a female divine. They're, so the men are feeling it too. And you know, she said a number of the women can share that same thing, but 100% of the men she spoke with had wow. that experience. Steve, that, that sounds amazing. And this is part of what will be chronicled in an upcoming uh, edition of Rolling Stone, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't make it there for my music, but uh, yeah. So, so a very gifted reporter, Cassidy Rosenblum, came out um, in in partnership with Tim Ferriss and Michael Pollan, a uh, journalism grant, and um, Rolling Stone said, "Yeah, go check out these people." And so, our very f she came out on a Sunday. She and I went to brunch, and I said, "Look, if you're out here to do a story about a has-been politician." <laughs> who took psychedelics and changed his mind yeah. that that's really kind of a boring story and uh -huh. she's like oh great thanks and just blew <laughs> up my so whole uh, angle so pointed her to and it was an easy thing pointed her toward a bunch of women in the divine assembly and uh yeah i think she had the time of her life um when she did ditch me and was with all of she was with all of these women who yeah, I'm just going to state it candidly. That's why you remember me apologizing for the church. They remember it, too. They hate that. But, yeah. you know, it really does make women small. It puts them in a tiny, tiny little box. But it Organized Western Judeo-Christian. Uh, I'm talking yep. Mormonism. And, uh, <laughs> I was trying to speak broadly, but you go for it. You <laughs> so it's the one I know. Yeah. And so it is just so fun to see. We have one tenet, which is, you can commune with the divine. So you don't need anyone else to tell you what to think, how to act, what to do. And to see these women just see who they are and just rise, uh, it is powerful, it's inspirational, it's amazing. Well, you mentioned Michael Pollan, and of course he's the author of Omnivore's Dilemma, and then This Is Your Mind on Plants, so I get mm -hmm. why he's connected to, to this article. Um, you did a photo shoot for it recently, and are you pleased with where you think they're taking it? Yeah, you know, who knows? Uh, I always watch these <laughs> movies, and I'm like, why would they have said that around <laughs> a journalist? And you just kind of forget they're there. And yeah. so Cassidy saw it all, and uh, we'll see what she does with it. But, yeah, I think, you know, I might just end up a footnote in this. <laughs> Which you would be happy I'm, with. I'm happy with that because I really am trying to get off the stage. Um, Christine is the one who said, no, no, you, you started this. You need to be on stage for a little while. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just to see what women are doing in this space. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like Christine's daughter is running Revival. Um, just <laughs> I know to stay out of her way. And, <laughs> and they don't, no one needs my authorization, permission. It's just so fun to see this happening. Christine. Yes. So um, I know you were t originally, I mean, earlier in this conversation, talking about your hesitancy toward the religion because you're just anti. Yeah. But what has been your experience now of this? Um, so I went through that suicide thing, mm -hmm. and um, the ketamine. I'm so really glad you came out on the positive side of that. Me too. It's it's mental health in this state is globally 
is an issue, but yeah. specifically in this stage is really struggling. Um, going through that process and coming on the other side of it, I started to tap into something bigger than me, mm-hmm. you know? And so while I don't believe or subscribe to or- organized faith, I do believe that we are all connected energetically. And so, and a big reason why I do support Steve and what he's doing over here is patients come to me during the process of medical cannabis. Patients were approaching, what are we going to do about mushrooms? I have a lot of patients that were end of life, um, chronically ill that are going to be like this for the rest of their lives. They struggle with depression terribly bad well the and anxiety at the end of absolutely. life my, my mother went through that with breast cancer and watching her struggle I'm like what do you need exactly I lost my human Maynard James Keller was part of truce mm-hmm. and we lost him last November and when I was up at the hospital with him he actually asked if I brought him any mushrooms because that's how he wanted to go yeah and he just wanted to be controlled of that you know that was his medicine while he was here and it's how Mm -hmm. he chose to kind of exit there's a lot of patients who have like myself I was bedridden for 16 years and it does something to you your psyche and your spirit Mm -hmm. and that's a bit of what I am supportive of Steve helping others find that connection within themselves yes they do not need a bishop they do not need a state president they do not need to pay penance to anybody or anything they need to be true to themselves and that's really what I've found psilocybin to help with me Mm. and like I said my son but my daughter a lot of the individuals that we're finding in this space are finding that connection too thank you for sharing that I know that Mm. was hard and I really appreciate it because I think there's folks out there that's I'm guessing part of what you are finding Sarah and Steve is in response to the divine assembly being formed it's your two-year anniversary today is world psychedelics day folks are looking for something that they are not getting a hundred percent true they want something they know some they know what they're doing isn't working and they want something else Mm -hmm. and so many of us are used to other people telling us how it should be or what the answers are and what we're trying to say with the divine assembly is it's really up to you 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 don't need a moderator you don't Mm -hmm. need any hierarchy there's no dogma you get to decide what your rituals look like you get to decide what your music sounds like you get to decide what worship feels like everybody gets to decide for themselves even talking earlier I'm going to have different experiences than Steve. Now, we do a lot together. There's no question. But we like to do things separately, too, right? We don't, there's not a one way to do it. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say is there's so much healing involved in this. And I'm finding the more that I'm healing, actually, the less I want, I'm doing the plant medicine, that it's teaching my brain how to do these things without it and that's actually really a wonderful thing mm-hmm. well I, I also wanted to ask yes and so you 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 have this church you have psilocybin as your sacrament you're finding this healing and what does that push you toward then as you take in this healing and kind of recalculate your life Sarah yeah it's it's allowing me to live far more authentically it is allowing me to have real relationships. I mean, Steve and I, we've been married 30 plus years now. But 
the depth that our relationship has gone through these medicines is unheard of. I don't know how we would have done it. I mean, we were doing therapy. We were doing, you know, the weekly dates. We were doing all the things the magazines tell you to do. But this just completely allows us to get to a different level. Being able to connect to my kids. Do you feel like it's helping you understand your humanity a little better? Absolutely. Christine, I see you Mm -hmm. putting up a finger there. On piggybacking what, on what she's saying, yeah. um, it does help people. It really does. There's a, a physician, Dr. Walker, who is working with patients to heal their trauma, working with using cannabis and ketamine. She hasn't ventured into psilocybin yet, legality reasons, and yeah. she's very hopeful for that. But that's exactly... Sarah's hitting the nail on the head. Steve. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Sarah, did you no, want to jump on I was going to say one more thing. The other thing is, if you're... If you are taking some of this, it's okay to work with your therapist. My therapist mm-hmm. was a not was not giving me anything, was not even, right. you know, yeah. saying this was a mm-hmm. good... Yeah. He was a he, Mormon bishop. Well, he was. <laughs> yeah, it was but, the operative. But he, still is. He, still is. he mm-hmm. knew I was going to do this, so he did all the research mm-hmm. to be prepared as a therapist to take me where I needed to go. Mm-hmm. So t- if you're in therapy and getting into plant medicine, you can talk to your therapist. Good ones will help guide you through it. And it's it's a pretty awesome experience. You yeah. go mm-hmm. to them after the fact mm-hmm. with all your epiphanies and they help you sort through it. Your epiphanies, Steve, yeah. as you recalibrate. Yeah, so I'm uh, back to what Sarah said. If you're not really preparing for this and afterwards, if you're not integrating it, that's where all the work is and change then you really are just doing drugs. And, yeah. and I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But, but you know, the way to really benefit is to integrate it. You know, my big epiphany is learning to love myself. And you find out that a lot of these just sayings are absolutely correct. I have always had a difficult time moving beyond shallow with people. And mm-hmm. uh, I just... How much Re- to share, how much to trust, how much to give, how much yeah, to take. I just, don't, I just yeah. didn't know how to go deep with people. I didn't know how to love people, and that was very depressing. And uh, what I realized is I didn't love myself, and so I'm mm-hmm. learning to love and accept myself. And as I do that, then my ability to love and connect with others is increasing, and that just adds so much beauty to life. You can meet the world as you are as it is we're getting deep in here and so i want to save some time to talk about the revival that is coming up so you started this last year up in weber county at where was it well so last year we did it out in the desert during the heat wave (laughs) it was sea base it was great there it was was warm warm. warm. well we've had some up and down temps here but june 24th to the 26th up in weber county at north fork park what Mm -hmm. is going on who can share that so truce is throwing uh, we're part of the theme camps so we have a camp called all the world's a stage and we have a stage and costumes and we um, inviting people to come and participate and play and and join in the fun a lot of this is about learning and growing and learning how to play and connecting with people there's a lot of workshops that um yoga uh, you'll have to do you have the schedule yeah i do friday saturday and sunday you start with yoga in the morning and uh, music throughout we shared a song from band already so there's music throughout. There's all kinds of workshops. I mean, the just really in-depth type of self-help in in connecting type of things that and I've some enjoyed. Fun conversations. Oh, we're absolutely. gonna laugh. We're gonna play. Yeah, yeah. And and this is a festival that is not. 
it's it's for people who aren't real festival people. Yeah. <laughs> is this isn't Burning Man. It's not Burning Man. Just letting people know it's not Burning Man. There are a lot of yeah. people that are bringing campers, sleeping in their car. I'm actually going to get a hotel close by so yeah. I can have I'm a, a motel shower. <laughs> I mean, there are just elements where I thought I'm not going to enjoy it if I have to go and be dirty for three days. Yeah. But I can enjoy it if I do X, Y, and Z. So I'm really embracing mm-hmm. what I want to do. And is there a divine assembly service in, in as part of this, Steve? So, again, divine assembly is a platform that other people can do their thing on. And so I want to go back to your discussion about uh, death diagnoses. Yeah. Someone 78 years old, uh, she took mushrooms for the very first time, very first time take psychedelics with me, with us. And mm-hmm. then she had a hospice. She's a death doula. And so on her own, she just at incorporated psilocybin into that. So she does that. So there will be a lot of ceremonies that happen during this festival that, yes, they're part of divine assembly, but we're not leading, we're not directing. These are and individuals. And that's part of the way you're organized for yeah. legal uh, mm-hmm. reasons as well. W- without, uh, yeah, but also think of mushrooms, how they grow, the mycelium underground. That's yeah. how I kind of view us. People ask me, are you... The leader, you the prophet, and I'm like, if if I am your spiritual leader, you're really in a bad way. I'm, I'm the yeah. I say it differently. He always I, says a cuss word. Thank you. But uh, you know that just strips people of their autonomy, of their ability to grow. And so yeah, people are doing this independently. I will keep divine assembly legally sound, legally safe. And then others can yeah. build on that. You don't platform. provide the sacrament. Yeah. Uh, we so. did. We did. And that was just fraught. That yeah. It's now better if people connect, they can connect at our events, meet each other. They tend to hold each other uh-huh. better because they check in before, after. If there's a problem, yeah. they're likely, the person's likely to talk to the friend. That's just a much better way to do it. Where can people get more information about the Divine Assembly and the Revival Summer Solstice Celebration? Thedivineassembly.org. So with mm-hmm. a the thedivineassembly.org and there are links that'll get you to Summer Revival but you can also go to summerrevival.org Org. Mm-hmm. Okay. We will put links in the show notes tonight, folks. You can check it out. But thank you so much, Steve and Sarah Urquhart and Christine Stenquist, for coming and joining us to have such a frank conversation on the two-year anniversary of the Divine Assembly, World Psychedelics Day, and you heard it here first, the Rolling Stone article coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll see you all this weekend. All right, we're going to leave with another song from one of the bands featured on stage at the Summer Revival coming up June 24th to 26th. This is number one Babe Team, Self-Conscious Dancer on KRCL 90.9. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for plugging into your community. I'm Laura Jones, Democracy Now! Coming up next. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
KRCL, Salt Lake City. Hi, I'm Morgan, KRCL's membership manager, here to remind you that you can donate the rusted out boat, camper, or car in your yard to KRCL. Our car donation partner will tow your vehicle, give you a tax receipt, and cut a check to KRCL. For details on KRCL's car donation program, Cars Inc., visit the support tab at krcl.org.